Achieving Exceptional Performance, Shared Insights. Welcome to All Things Intriguing with your host, Dr. Ray Newkirk. That's me. We're discussing exceptional performance and how to achieve it. We're in episode three, establishing the critical success factors for exceptional performance. Begin your process of achieving exceptional performance by establishing the critical success factors of an organization as the building blocks of this exceptional performance. You know, exceptional performance doesn't just happen. It takes a lot of study, a lot of thought, a lot of good habit, a lot of desire. It requires you to know how to succeed in what it is you're trying to do. Things are built together, one block at a time, one step at a time, one action at a time. You need an action plan. You need to know what will fail and what will succeed, often before you even start. It's a challenge to achieve exceptional performance because it's exceptional. It stands out, it's unusual, rare, hardly ever happens, right? Doesn't happen all the time, that's why it's exceptional. But it's gotta happen enough to be exceptional. It's like a catch-22. If you do it all the time, then you're not exceptional. Is that right? <laughs> you know, success with this requires you to investigate the history of your organization. What's exceptional with your organization? What does management think? When is something exceptional recognized? When do they look at the ordinary and call it exceptional? Are the exceptional call it ordinary? Are they smart enough to know what's exceptional and what's not? It would be interesting to note the projects that have succeeded and those that have failed in your organization. Think about it. For the successful projects, one can learn a lot by examining how the team managed it. It's critical failure factors. You know, we've talked a lot about critical failure factors so far and critical success factors. A lot of people don't know their critical success factors, but they don't know their critical failure factors or the difference it makes in the organization. You know, success requires you to investigate the history of your organization to know what they think is successful. Is it just a bottom line or is it how you deliver the bottom line? How accurately and how quickly and how reliably? How did you negate the critical failure factors? That kind of stuff. So a good place to start is identifying your critical success factors. How are you really going to be successful and how will these be the building blocks of your exceptional performance? You know, it's a good place to start. Many times when I was interviewing with clients, I would ask them things like this. What are the key things that you think that have to be done in the next 30 days to consider this project on the road to success? What about the next 30, the next 30 after that? The first 90 days, what do you expect to be done by then to be successful, right? Now, that's just being successful. That's not being exceptional. To be exceptional means you have to do something with the critical success factors that would be very hard to imagine. You know? So, examine a little bit how the team managed the critical failure factors. So, learn what they are and how they were managed. You know? And this will get you on your way. So a good place to chart to start achieving exceptional performance is by establishing your critical success factors. Then note the projects that have been succeeded in your organization, those that have failed. And for the successful projects, you can learn a lot if you examine how the team that was successful managed its critical failure factors. Like what were they? How are they different than the critical success factors? It's good stuff worth knowing, don't you think? 
Ja. So hello, thanks for listening. Welcome to my podcast. It will be far-ranging, challenging, surprising, insightful, informative, interesting, and even intriguing. And anything else I could throw in there with the kitchen sink, right? It is brought to you by Systems Management Institute of Orlando, Florida. Check us out at www.smirsv.com. Your visit will be more than welcome. We will appreciate it. So I'm glad you're here. I want you to get something out of this, and let's have some fun. Let's start with an important statement. Everybody knows who this guy is. It is not the strongest of the species that survive, nor the most intelligent, but the one most responsive to change. Charles Darwin. Hmm. And then everybody thinks the strongest survive. Only the strong survive. It's not what he said. Only the most intelligent survive. Not what he said. It's the most responsive to change. Flexibility, adaptability, right? I once knew a missionary in China. I never met him. It was during the Communist Revolution, and he had a nice mission in China. And they warned him, you better leave, you better leave. The communists are taking over. They will not be patient with Christian missionaries. He just didn't believe it. He just didn't believe that that would happen to him. Anything bad. They're still, after all, the Chinese people. The same people he had been ministering to, providing health care to. These people wouldn't let anything happen to him. He spoke the language even. He was even a scientist. Well-known guy. And you know what happened? The Chinese communists took over his town and his mission. And they didn't congratulate him for being really strong and intelligent. And he was not responsive to change. It didn't go well for him. He had a terrible, terrible time. He should have done what people had told him. He said, Father, you got to go. He's a Catholic priest. Father, you have to get out of here. Everybody's leaving. It's not, you're not going to be safe here. He just didn't move in time. He's not adaptable to change. He got a lot of hurt. You know? Sometimes you can be so intelligent that it makes you stupid. Because you can second-guess yourself. Sometimes you can be so strong that the weight of the challenge will crush you. Because it was a new weight you had never dealt with before. You see. And if you're really, truly intelligent, you know when to fold them, don't you? How to be responsive to change. Stubbornness is not intelligence. Even this intelligent people can fail. For whatever reasons, narcissism. They believe their own hype. They're really intellectually smart, but emotionally stupid. Let me get a drink of water. Oh, that's refreshing. Nice cold water. So, it is not the strongest of the species that survive. Remember that. You have to be adaptable. You have to be flexible. You have to be very responsive to change. There's ways doing that. How do you be responsive to change? What's a good plan if you're in management to be responsive to change? If you guess wrong, you lose. So, establishing the critical success factors over the organization. Think about that. How can you establish the critical success factors of your organization as the building blocks of exceptional performance? How can you do it? 
Everybody in life takes one step at a time when they're a child to learn to walk. We as adults still do that. We take one step at a time whether we like it or not. You ever hear that saying, don't walk behind me, I will not lead. Don't walk in front of me, I will not follow. Walk beside me and be my friend. You ever hear that? That's a psychological saying that was very popular in the 60s and 70s. It's about keeping your mind on. It's about not getting narcissistic. Don't walk in front of me, I will not follow. Don't walk behind me, I will not lead. Walk, walk beside me, just walk beside me and be my friend. Now that's an emotional connection thing. That's really about leadership. A lot of people get it all wrong. We all take one step at a time, whether we like it or not. Some of us take faster steps than others. Some of us take steps where we're watching where we're going before we put the foot down in the mud puddle. Luckily, it so happens that some steps happen to be bigger than other steps. Giant steps are good, huh? Right? Giant steps are good. Look at a person seven foot tall when he stretches that step out in a hurry. Covers a lot of territory. You know? We all take one step at a time, but we should learn to take bigger steps. That's the point. Time matters. The territory we cover in a day matters. We're talking about becoming exceptional. So what you have to do to take a giant step at a time is you have to learn to separate the critical from the not critical factors of performance. Don't waste your time with trivia. You have to be smart enough to know the critical from the non-critical factors of performance, my friends. You have to learn to envision the mastery of change as one of the top critical success factors you'll have to encounter. The master change. How well do you master change? Wow. It's a very, very important critical success factor, especially in the world we live in today. Exceptional organizations and teams are agile and can change quickly. You know, I've studied a lot about agile methodologies. But I haven't read too much in agile methodologies about being able to change quickly. I find that quite interesting because most agile methodologies are inappropriate to what they're applied to. I happen to be a methodologist by scientific training. My first doctorate was in the philosophy of science. Studied a lot about methodology and how it works. I like meta-methodology. That's how you design methodologies appropriate to a problem situation. Exceptional organizations and teams are agile in the sense that they can change quickly. That's what agility is all about. Being able to change quickly. Not being weighted and burned down with a bunch of unnecessary stuff. Not taking small steps unnecessarily. Nothing wrong with being cautious. No, nothing wrong with that. But, Since we all have to take one step at a time, we have no choice. We can take some bigger steps. And to do that, you have to be able to separate the critical from the non-critical factors of performance. The things that really matter. I once worked with a guy who often said, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. You know, he was right. So many times I had heard him say that. You'd be talking to somebody that was doing things that simply just did not matter because they were not smart enough to separate the critical from the non-critical, but he was. Thankfully, he was their leader. It would be good if they could have been doing that themselves. And he knew how to master change as a top 
critical success factor. Exceptional organizations and teams are agile and can change quickly. So if you cannot change quickly, you're surely not agile enough, are you? Think about it. Think about it that way. It's a good way to think about it. So you have to prepare to have outstanding performance, exceptional performance, to become an exceptional performer. You have to know how to prepare for it. Like if you're going to be a writer, you build your story first to define which layouts and graphics will best help you visualize each part of your message. You know? Wow. Know what you want to say. Know where you're going. It's really great to know where you want to go because if you don't, any roadmap will work. And, of course, you end up in a lot of places you don't want to go. The roadmap won't help you. You'll just get lost easier. So you have to specify your critical success factors. To do that, you communicate your CFSs. That's what we call them. CSFS, right? That are real and attainable. Some people identify and specify critical success factors, which are not real and attainable. It's kind of like to get to London next week, I got to fly to the moon first. No, you don't. You know, and you don't have to swim it. So communicates critical success factors that are real and attainable. Is it real? Can you do it? Will you do it? Will they follow you? Communicate CSFs that can be managed. Communicate critical success factors that can be managed. I think that's pretty important. Make sure they're real and attainable and you can manage them. Ensure that the critical success factors can be communicated by everyone on the team. Notice what I said, by everyone on the team. What I'm saying there is it shouldn't be just up to you to communicate them. Once you're saying to one person, that person should say it to another who says it to another. It should become common knowledge and people can talk about them because they can understand them. And they can speak the right language because they're real and they're attainable and they can be managed. You see, it's like a puzzle. All of my podcasts are like that. I make them fit together. Every word fits with another word. Real and attainable. can't be attainable if it's not real. If it's real, then it should be attainable. It works together, right? And if they're real and attainable, then, my gosh, no reason you can't manage them. Of course, you can't manage them if they're not attainable. And then, since they're real and attainable and they're manageable, the manager can communicate them to to several people who could communicate them to everybody on the team. So there's three things there about critical success factors. They have to be real and attainable. They have to be manageable. And the fourth thing is you have to communicate them. Be able to. So here we're focusing on the critical success factors, not the critical failure factors, right? So ensure that your critical success factors can be qualified by managers and team leaders. They can be qualified, that they're measurable, quantifiable, that they work, they're good, they're high quality. Define critical success factors that are real and that overcome the weakness and bias of slogans. Some people come up with slogans and say they're the critical success factors. Do you know that? Sloganese <laughs> reign supreme. Gosh, how can they do that? Critical success factors that are real and that overcome the weaknesses and bias of slogans are very important. They can be measurable, qualified, right? Quantifiable. And they have to overcome the weaknesses 
and buys the slogans. Define a critical success factor that you can prove is really a critical success factor. As a, do it right now. Think about it. I'll give you a little bit of time here. Think about a project that you're on, somewhere you're working, something that you're doing, somebody you're going to vote for, some political thing. Think about how much bias is involved in the things that are being said. Build back better. Now, is there any bias in that slogan? So to do that, what are the critical success factors to be able to build back better? By the way, build back what? Right? For whom? When? See, and what makes it better? Define a critical success factor that you can prove is really a critical success factor. Mm -hmm. We have to do that in business all the time. We have to do that in medicine all the time. We have to do that in science all the time. Why should politics be any different? Think about it. I'll give you a two-second break. You see, time's up. If you can't do it in that language, then it's not a real critical success factor. It's just a slogan or it's a bias. We need smarter people running our companies, running our departments, running our projects. We need people that have moral wisdom they care about one another. You see, there's so many things that are out there that we can improve. Of course, it all starts with us, right? Remember? Assure that the CSF can be qualified by managers and team leaders. Define CFS that are real and that can overcome the weaknesses and buy self slogans. This finest CSF that you can prove is really a CFS, CSF. See, it's not so simple to define a CSF. So you just describe them. You should be able to communicate them. They should be managed, right? They must be real and attainable. The team can talk about them among themselves. They should be qualified by managers and team leaders. One CFF should be better than another. Define CFFs that are real. Said that. They can overcome the weaknesses and bias of slogans. Do one that you can prove is really a CSF. That is not a matter of faith. It's not about religion. It's not about going to church. This is about getting out of a mess or doing a new project or adapting to change. Saving your organization. Saving everybody's jobs. And do not over-identify the CSFs of the team. You know what I mean by that? Enough is enough. Basta, basta. They say in Italy, enough is enough. Enable your colleagues to have the freedom to desire exceptional performance by defining or describing CSFs that are really critical to achieving exceptional performance. If they're not critical to achieving exceptional performance, don't worry about them. You've over-identified. The question is how many are enough, right? That's what I'm saying here. If somebody asks you to make a rowboat for them, don't build them an aircraft carrier. Number one, they can't pay for it. Number two, they can't wait on it. Number three, they have no way to sail it. They don't know that many people, right? So you don't want to over-identify 
She has sefs. Okay. By putting in non-critical CSFs. You want to achieve exceptional performance, right? How many people do you know out there that will admit to you they want to be mediocre and do a mediocre job? Do a survey. Hey, Bill, listen, what do you want to do with your career? A mediocre job or do you want to be exceptional? Do you want to be seen as mediocre or below? Or do you want to be exceptional and above? Tell me, Derry. Henry, what do you what about you, Helen? You know what? They'll get offended with you because no nobody's gonna to admit to you they want to be mediocre, even if they don't have any motivation to do anything great. They won't admit it. Hey, my name is Ray Newkirk and I've launched a life that I'm so happy to say is I want it to be mediocre. That never crossed my mind. I was having too much fun doing things that changed history. Yeah, my history, right. And history of some people I worked with for the better. Right? This is what you have to think about. You know, it's no easy thing, a critical success factor. I have to be really critical to achieving exceptional performance or you don't name it. And you see this kind of project to name your critical success factors, this challenge helps you really understand what exceptional performance is. Because you kind of be, got to be kind of exceptional just to do this stuff. Just to name your critical success factors in a reasonable way, in a quality way. You have to be kind of exceptional to do that. Because a lot of people can't do it. They just come up with slogans. Or they have bias. You know? The truth matters. You better be truthful with your CSFs. So prepare yourself for success. How can you establish the critical success factors of the organization as the building blocks of exceptional performance? Now, we've been talking about them. You have any ideas? Write them down. You got a notepad there? Write them down. Define CSFs that directly serve as factors of great performance. Define critical success factors that work together as a system to encourage exceptional performance. Define critical success factors that can be measured and tracked as true factors of exceptional performance. Yeah, that's what you have to do. To prepare yourself for success, you have to define your building blocks of exceptional performance, friends. They have to directly service factors of great performance. They must. You have to define critical success factors that work together as a system and to transform the environment. Yes, they go from okay to great. And they must, your CSS must be measurable and tracked as two factors of performance. Metrics are required. Excuse me. Ah, that's good water. So, you know, think about your life. A lot of you do this all the time and you don't even think about it. You do it if you're parents, you have pride in your children. When they're very young, you help them dress right. You want them to be socialized right. You want them to have good friends. You know, 
should take pride in your own life. You should take pride in what you do professionally. You know, I've met people in the simplest jobs, doing outstanding jobs, not because the jobs are simple, because their human skills are outstanding. They still have to work with people. That's always, always hard. You ever go to a grocery store and look at the checkout people, the cashiers? There was a time when they didn't have scanners and they had to <laughs> hit all those buttons and they put in scanning to make their job easier, right? But you know what happened because of that? The manager says, okay, now that you have these scanners, you should be able to take more customers in today. You should be able to manage bigger workloads. You should be able to say, hi, welcome to our store, to many, many more people and get their money. See, so... As they put in these tools to simplify, supposedly, their life, they also increased it dramatically by making it essential for them to serve many customers. Now, on the surface, that might not sound hard. But have you ever seen some of the customers at these grocery stores and the things that they do? I mean, there are people that get help to be able to feed themselves from the government. And they can be extremely arrogant. All right. They have these attitudes. They overcompensate probably for their difficulties in life. Some people believe. I mean, here's what you'll see. You see a customer get a bag of donuts and they have a three year old child and, it, and they'll walk around the store and it's time to pay for the bag of donuts. And the customer will say, my little girl doesn't like those donuts. I'm not paying for them. The cashier will say, but ma'am, she already ate half of them. I don't care. I'm not paying for them. I'm not paying for them. And that causes a sight. Yeah, I've seen that. This is a human being. Now, imagine two things happening here. Three things. She's treating the cashier terribly. She's given a terrible lesson to her child. All right. And she's not hanging in too well together herself because she's basically stealing and cheating. And she's doing it with anger because if you question her, she's getting mad at you for not letting her steal from you. Wow. So imagine how hard this, the job that you would think just scanning groceries is not so hard. Let's say they stand on their feet all day long. And they do all this stuff. I see it all the time when I go to the supermarket. You want to study human beings? Are you in college studying sociology and psychology? Go to the supermarkets. And watch the people at the cash registers. <laughs> Write a dissertation on it. You can really do that. Yeah. You'll see so many people from, if you're in Florida, for example, they're from all over the world. You got them from the Caribbean. You got them from South America. You got them from from. Well, you got them from Europe. You got them from Asia. I'm not even sure if we don't have them from some other solar system, tell you the truth. Some of them are so far out, you know. But the rudeness is so incredibly on display by human beings towards other human beings. And the people that are so rude are the ones that always complain about how hard their life is. And they never look inside at the decisions they make in their life. You know, you know it's hard about psychotherapy when you're a psychotherapist. I happen to have a doctorate in clinical psychology. I will tell you, the hard, I wouldn't say the hard, one of the difficult things is the time you have to spend with your client or patient, whatever you want to call them, before they start telling you the truth. Because they usually want to come in to learn their neuroses in a more complex manner. Right? They're not there to get... Until you hit rock bottom, you don't really change. People don't often change. They're playing games. They'll come to the therapist, tell all their friends they got to go see their therapist today because they can afford to have a therapist. And they go in there and they'll spend 30 minutes lying to you about things. They make you look... The idea is to motivate you to look at them a different way than they really are. So they play these games. It takes a while to get the, 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 the client to be real. That's when you begin to make progress. 
you don't go to therapy because you have mental problems, you know. You actually go to therapy to learn about yourself and improve your behaviors so you can be more successful. I really recommend therapy for everybody just to become better people, right? In one of my uh, earlier podcasts in another series, I talked about a, a lady I know that went to therapy and when I was an intern. She was uh, hung up on how ugly her toenails were. Yeah, I've talked about this in length. She actually went to therapy because she had dysphobia over the ugliness of her toenails. Like when she walks down the beach in a bikini, the guys are looking at her toenails. Give me a break, right? So, uh, you see, we human beings have a tough time being human. Yeah. I mean, look at the things that are going on in the Ukraine. The average citizen over there was minding their own business, raising their children, taking care of their moms and dads, all kinds of wonderful things, educating their kids, going to church. The next thing you know is a missile blows up their home. And they lose loved ones, even their children. Now, what kind of mind does it take to launch a missile into a residential area? And they go to sleep at night with a clear mind. Yeah. Now, the funny thing is, they have their critical success factors. They do. These people that engage these military campaigns against individual citizens have a strategy. Yeah. They have a strategy. And they have critical success factors. They have to kill so many people a day or destroy so many homes a day, upset so many civilians to have them turn against the government. They have all these kind of sick strategies. But I thought, really, by 2022, we would become more human, which means being humane. But not everybody is there with us. I mean, you have people yelling at cashiers because the cashiers don't want them to not pay for the stuff that they just ate. And they yell at the cashiers like the cashiers have done something wrong by not letting them steal. And then we have leaders of countries that will bomb children. You know? Kind of like if that lady that was yelling at the cashier was running a country, she would probably bomb children, right? So you see that? The purpose you go to therapy is to learn proper behaviors to make you a civilized human being and to get something more out of life and enjoy life and experience joy. So, CSFs are extremely important for everybody. Whether you're on the job or whether you're just a human being. If you're a world leader, if you're a general, critical success factors are a central part of your life. I bet you did not know that. You know, how many times did you smile today and say thank you? That could be a critical success factor of being a better human being. How much gratitude do you have in your life? How do you show it? You know? So let me share some insight. Insight number two. Exceptional performance requires superior knowledge management. Know that? Exceptional performance requires superior knowledge management. Yeah, you have to manage the knowledge that you have. Exceptional organizations continuously study the organizations that move beyond the essentials as a common practice. What I'm saying is exceptional organizations study exceptional organizations. The people that move beyond the essentials. As a competitive athlete, I used to study the champions in detail. My coach was the most knowledgeable person I had ever met in the sport I participated in. And I learned so much from him about how to study the competition. Exceptional organizations continuously study the organizations that move beyond the essentials they do it as a common practice. 
Do you guys study great people? See what makes them so great? You ever meet a person you see with so much gratitude and kindness? You ever wonder how they become that way? Did you ever see somebody yell at a cashier at a supermarket with unbelievable rudeness? And wonder how they got to be like that? That person is exceptionally <laughs> negative, right? Exceptionality runs two ways. Exceptional organizations continuously acquire specific kinds of relevant knowledge about the essentials of exceptional performance for the organization. Did you know that? Now say, let me say this again. Exceptional performance requires superior knowledge management. You have a lot of knowledge in that mind of yours. You've been developing it your whole life. You know a lot of important stuff. You have been taught your whole life to say thank you and you're welcome. You have been taught the art of courtesy, most likely by somebody at some time. You have hurt people's feelings at some time or another. We all do. There's a lot of knowledge you have. How well do you manage that knowledge to enhance the performance of your life? Exceptional people continuously study the people that move beyond the essentials as a common practice. See, I changed it. Exceptional people continuously acquire specific kinds of relevant knowledge about the essentials of exceptional performance for each other, for their families, for their workmates. You see? It's highly personal. Exceptional performance is a personal statement about the kind of persons we are or we are not. When I was in the Middle East, they used to say to me, Mafi Muscula. No problem, no problem. They won't bring them a problem. You should go to these Navy people in the Middle East. They say, Mafi Muscula. Shukran, Ray. Shukran, thank you. Afan, you're welcome. But Mafi Muscula, no problem. They don't want any problem. They wanted just a simple, easy life. See? All right. Nothing wrong with that. They always said, thank you and you're welcome. Most of the people I have met in my life, all right, were like all of us. They ate, they drank, they slept at night, they wore clothes, they had to work for a living, they got ill, they grew old. They buried people that they loved. They lived on the same planet we lived on and they faced a lot of the global problems we all face. We have more in common than we have that separate us. We separate one another by religion, by color, by attitude, so many reasons we use, but there's so many things that unite us. You see? It all depends upon how exceptional we are. You see? So let me give you a fact of life. I love these facts of life, right? The real facts of life is what I call them. A person who believes his own hype delivers what he sees in his life. And that's nothing. I'll say it again. A person who believes his own hype delivers what he sees in his life. And that's nothing. Hype is just hype. It has no value. It's an exaggeration many times. That's a lie. It's a guy that has absolutely no facts, no critical success factors. And he says, i got a brand new company and I'm going to be a billion dollar company in 16 days. Oh, really? What's your critical success factors? What's that? 
What's your plan? Who cares about the plan? You know, I've had people that actually said this stuff to me. In some way or another, people would say to me, invest in my business. I say, let me see your plan. Who's got time for a plan? That's such a waste of time. I'm a doer, not a writer. All right. He believed this hype, but he had no way to raise funds because he had no critical success factors. He had no plan. He had no team. He had no way to get there. Who's going to give him money? Yeah, somebody that needs therapy, right? Many thought leaders and executives who talk about learning from failure will not give you a bonus or promote you when you fail. Yeah. I hear all this talk about failure is good. You learn a lot from your failures. If you haven't failed, you haven't done anything. Have you heard that one? If you have not failed, ladies and gentlemen, you have not done anything. Get going while the going is good. Yeah. Thought leaders, I hear these people that run these Fortune 500 companies say this a lot. If you haven't failed, you haven't done anything. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, in a strange kind of way, they're right. But if that was so important to be failing, wouldn't they give you a nice bonus if you failed? Because failure is so important, right? Many thought leaders and executives who talk about learning from failure will not give you a bonus or promote you when you fail for them. Truth be told, friends, success is actually better than failure every time. I have never met a person who failed himself to the top. Although I have met people who have gotten to the top simply because people knew them and thought they'd be a good gamble. Yeah. I once knew a guy who got himself on the cover of a national magazine as the executive of the year in the semiconductor industry. Because he did so many good things with his business, they said. And so I happened to take a look and see how his industry did that year. All right? It set all kinds of unbelievable records that year. The semiconductor year that year just did so great. You're talking about 25% growth there, 30% growth there. And he did 6% growth. And he got such recognition for being the greatest executive in that industry. And I asked somebody, how did he do this? Somebody that wrote the article, how did he do this? Well, Ray, he was running a company that was beginning to fail and he turned it around. Oh, yeah? So that gave me an idea. He turned it around. He, he grew. His, his growth was 6% when the industry average was over 30%. I think it would have turned around on its own anyway. So I got this great idea. I started looking at all these failing companies and what they were paying their CEOs. So I says, I'm going to contact all these board of directors. I'm going to save them a lot of money. I will ruin their companies for them for half the price. Yeah. You had executives out there getting 200, 300 million a year in some cases, and their companies were failing. Well, heck, I could do that for 100 million. And save them money. What do you think? They should hire me, right? Look at IBM. They had the CEO who year after year after year just was failing. But the CEO, they kept paying this person and paying this person. I would have taken that job for half the money and half the stock. And I wouldn't have done any better. We could have just failed cheaper. The stockholders would have loved me. I mean, it would have saved them money, for heaven's sakes. Look, if you're ever looking for a job out there and you find some CEO who's really failing bad and he's getting a big salary, apply for the job. Of course, you'll probably fail, but it doesn't matter. You'll save them money because you'll take less, right? Just remember that. Yeah. People who believe their own hype deliver nothing. Many thought leaders and executives who talk about learning from failure will not give you a bonus or promote you when you fail. You can quote me on that. Truth be told, success is actually better than failure every time. 
I met a person who failed himself to the top. Never. Uh-uh. Never met that person. Just remember that. Don't take failure so lightly. Success is actually better. You know? And you know what helps you be successful? Good critical success factors. You define them, you describe them, you manage them, you communicate them, and you use it. And you know what's really, really important to have good CSFs? Cyber security, insider threat prevention, cyber security. We'll talk about that later. It's through curiosity and looking at opportunities in new ways that we've always mapped our path. There's always an opportunity to make a difference. I'll say that again. It's so important. I once worked for this guy who said this. It's through curiosity and looking at opportunities in new ways that we've always mapped our path. There's always an opportunity to make a difference. Michael Dell said that from Dell Technologies. Michael said that. Yes. There's always an opportunity to make a difference, friends. And a positive difference is what he's talking about. Looking at opportunities in new ways to map out a path. To identify your CSFs. That's what he's talking about. Guess what? Our time is up on episode three. What's that hooray I'm hearing? <laughs> Thank you for joining me on this discussion about achieving exceptional performance. I will be back soon with episode four. I look forward to continuing this dialogue. I'm Dr. Ray Newkirk of Systems Management Institute. 407-864-7756 is my number if you ever want to call me. rnewkirk at smilc.info is my email. Try my website, www.smirsp.com. And what's my slogan, my model, my goal? It's not a CSF, but it's forever forward. Forever. Forward. Yes. Not backward. So thank you for joining me. I appreciate having you. It's really great. So we'll be continuing with this discussion soon. So thank you for joining us and have a great night. Good night.